This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the Mullen Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weeder is from the Chicago Tribune, covers the Bears. He's en route back from... Uh, New Orleans to Chicago, joining us from uh, the airport, and thank you for doing that, Dan. It's been a busy day in Chicago, certainly the aftermath of the Bears' uh, loss to the Saints to drop to 2-7, and seven. but I have to say, the Bears' season has been hijacked by huge Cubs news. We'll keep our focus on the Bears and what's next for them as they get ready for the Panthers on Thursday night, but Craig Council being hired as David Ross is fired, huge day in Chicago. That's not a bad diversion for the city of Chicago to deal with for a, a little while. Um, before we get into all our bear stuff, I'd be curious to get your perspective because I know when I get in the, the front door tonight at home, I'm going to have some questions from a 10-year-old Cubs fan who's going to want to know what, uh, what to make of this move. Very succinctly, this is the Cubs announcing themselves as World Series contenders again. This is cutthroat. This is heartless. This is exactly the way a big market team should act in Major League Baseball today. This is rewarding a manager in Craig Council who, after Terry Francona retired, after Dusty Baker walked away, Bruce Bochy still is employed, but Craig Council is regarded as maybe the best, if not one of the best managers in Major League Baseball. This is the price of playing poker. You give him a 40-year, $40 million five-year contract to come in and to legitimize everything about you. This is an upgrade. So as much as we always will love David Ross and Cub fans have a special place in their heart for the guy that will help them win in 2016. This was the right move for the future of the Cubs. Interesting perspective. And it's, yeah, it's going to be a, a, an interesting week to see how this all kind of evolves and, and, and where the reaction goes. Uh, meanwhile, here on the uh, the old Chicago Bears beat, live from Gate A38 and DFW, uh, it's uh, the same old story, isn't it? <laughs> well, it kind of is, Dan, because you're – your trip home from New Orleans via DFW on a Monday <laughs> afternoon is kind of a, a great metaphor for this bear circuitous. season. <laughs> circuitous. Wherever they are headed, it is going to be a circuitous journey back to respectability, back to the playoffs, and, hey, maybe one day back to the Super Bowl. And I think that that, that is eventually where we will get with the conversation. But in Chicago on Monday, the day after, I think we're having a hard time getting past the quarterback conversation. I think that when you see – Matt Eberflus changed the designation for Justin Fields week to week, day to day. Um, I know that on the Mullen Haw show, we spent way too much time with uh, caller interaction, and there seems to be an audience response to Bajan uh, and the turnovers and wanting to give him one more chance. And my contention that, okay, if Justin Fields is healthy and is reasonable to expect that he will be, it's time to give him back the job to give him an opportunity to play out the stretch and, and stay healthy if he can and give him eight more games to evaluate. What do you think? 
Yeah, well, I, I think there it's almost like two different conversations, unfortunately, sort of meshing in the same room, because I think that Tyson Bajan's promise and the potential that he's shown in the three starts he's made is still legitimate. Obviously, the turnovers yesterday dilute that significantly and, and your inability to take care of a game late that was there to be won is something that factors into the conversation. But this was always going to be a season that centered around where Justin Fields took his development. We've talked now for a couple of weeks about making sure we get the clearest picture of that over the last couple months of the season. And that requires Justin getting back on the field as soon as possible, playing in as many games as possible and giving you the, the largest body of evidence possible to make your, your assessment. And so, yes, I do think that if his grip strength is there, if his pain tolerance is there, if his ability to, um, go through walkthrough this week instead of regular practice reps and get himself comfortable again in playing offensive for Chicago Bears is there. He needs to go back out there. I am not ready to close the door on Tyson Bajan, though, because he, he, in my rewatch on Monday morning, David, you go back through everything through the first three quarters and you go, man, there are some high quality quarterback feel moments here whether it's the ability to uh, get out and scramble, whether it's the ability to get out with your eyes up and hit a check down, whether it's your ability to have that eternal clock that says the ball's got to go here and this is when it's got to get there. And, and whether it's those, those throws to start the game, one to Mooney, one to DJ Moore, the see it, rip it throws. Those are big league plays by a young quarterback still making his way in this league. Now, Look, like the turnovers are unacceptable. They're inexcusable. You can't live with those and you can't look past them. They're going to be part of the conversation. But I didn't see anything Sunday in New Orleans that says, close the book on this kid. He'll never be anything in this league. His ceiling is as a QB2, and that's the end of it. Well, I don't know that I would be that harsh either. And I, don't, and I hope it, I didn't come across as that definitive. I think what Tyson Bage improved to me in three and a half games, essentially, is that he does have – a future in this league, my guess is it's going to be is primarily a backup. But if the Bears answered a question about going into 2024 that, you know, who's our backup quarterback, that's a win for the roster, for the general manager, and that's a win for Tyson Bajan because coming into the season, reasonably, realistically, he couldn't have expected anything more than that. Now, having said that, I don't think that you know, it's also it's undeniable that he had some big moments, but a lot of those were undone by the propensity to turn the football over at an alarming rate. You know, eight turnovers in his stint in three and a half games. That's an alarming rate only because of how they happened and what they represented. Kind of the clock in his head works when he's in the pocket. He can sense pressure building and breaking down the pocket and all those things what i don't think the clock in his head is is quite calibrated yet is how fast can i get the football to my receiver and how fast can the defensive back close on that route because that's where i think the miscalculations have come yeah that better with experience but right now dan i think he's a huge risk to go more than two or three games at a time and i think that's what he did and that's okay no, that's fine. Um, and, and and like, look, like I don't think the Bears are in any urge uh, to to get rid of him at season's end. You know what I mean? No, like, there's something right. here to still to still keep an eye on. But they've got to answer big picture quarterback questions. I am already fatigued at getting tweets and emails and voice messages about the 2024 NFL draft. It is November 6th, and we are already deep into our prep for which direction they should go. 
with their picks, you know, whether they're two top 10 or two top five or whatever they may be in April. But this is where we are with this franchise here. It's a, it's a team that, as you mentioned a minute ago, is two and seven. It's, it's wayward. Uh, they, they have to start answering bigger picture questions. At the same time, you have a coaching staff in place that may be fighting for its job. And so there were some questions asked to Matt Eberflus on Monday about the playing time for, for you know, rookies like Zach Pickens and, and Javon Dexter. These are obviously guys that you want to see emerge and develop as younger players that, that you hope are part of your future. But in the demand to win games now, you kind of have to stick with Andrew Billings and Justin Jones because they keep you in a football game like the one Sunday in New Orleans. And God bless the Bears defense for giving them as many chances as they did Sunday afternoon to be in that football game and to have a chance to overcome another turnover and another turnover and another mistake. Uh, so, look, like there's a lot that, that is married together here in terms of your, your short-term needs and your big-picture view. And ultimately, I think it's uh, up to, to Ryan Poles and his group to try to, to try to balance that and put yourself in position here to make these last eight games meaningful in some way or another because they need to be meaningful. That's a good way to put it. And I think just clean up some uh, loose ends that were uh, addressed during Matt Eberflus' media session on Monday at House Hall. Jaquan Brisker is back after being cleared from concussion protocol. That's good news with a Thursday game. Tremaine Edmonds is now day-to-day with a knee injury. I don't know if that means he's closer to playing. My guess would be, Dan, he, he is not going to play on Thursday night, but you don't never know. Um, Kerry game will be out against the Panthers with a concussion and, of course, the, the uh, diagnosis everybody was waiting for, the designation, Justin Fields goes from week to week to day to day and limited in practice. The Bears won't see much practice time this week with a Thursday game. I don't know if that's as big of a factor with Justin Fields because of his experience level. At the same time, no, no, nobody knows, none of us know what type of uh, pain he's playing through or how limited he is in his gripping the football and throwing it with velocity because as much as experience certainly will help him if he can't grip it and rip it, as they say, he's going to be impaired. Oh, look, and one of the things that Darnell Mooney brought up is you have to also kind of anticipate how is this going to feel the first time I get sacked? How is it going to feel the first time I'm in a pile and there's, you know, a thousand pounds on top of me with my hand beneath me? So Justin's got to feel that out and, and understand what his pain tolerance is, what his grip strength and, and functional strength is, and they have to proceed forward from there. But after we talked on Sunday night, David, I kind of took a, a little bit of a different uh, thought process on this. And you see Josh Dobbs come into a team that where he didn't know teammates' names, had never thrown passes to any of his teammates in practice, had never uh, even been with his linemen to teach them his cadence, go out and score 28 points on the road against a quality defense and get a road victory, your third-year starter ought to be able to to endure a little bit of rust and a little bit of discomfort to try to get your football team going in the right direction. Totally agree with that, only because it is it is a, a group he's familiar with and he's going to be playing at home and you're going to be playing against a, a Panther defense that may not have um, its, its full contingent either. They have some injuries that are going to probably make them even more vulnerable, and it's already one of the worst teams in football. So, I mean, I, I kind of hope he does play, and I understand the limitations, but you also can, you you know, you can scheme, you can call a game uh, plan and, and and call plays to kind of keep your quarterback out of harm's way, and he still could be a very dangerous runner. So, let's wait and see. I'm not quite sure. Um, if not, Tyson Bajan will be ready to go. He did some nice things against the Saints. As you point out, the first three quarters – he was dynamic. He changed his arm angle. He made plays with his feet, 60 yards rushing in the first half after things broke down. DJ Moore told us this morning, Dan, on the Mullen Haas show on Monday morning 
that he didn't think that the Saints adjusted much in the second half to prevent Tyson Bajant from, you know, stopping to use the run at his disposal. I, I will take his word for it. It did seem like they played a little bit more zone defense in the second half than man, um, which would obviously make him less of a threat when they played the two man. And that's what he was doing in the first half. Well, and you just you just shortened your fourth quarter possessions with with the, the giveaways, you know, and it right. started with a punt to start the quarter. And then, uh, you know, when interception, interception uh, looks like a punt and then a, a, a fumble, you know. And so like, like those are the things that, that at that stage of the game, again, it was 17 to 17 going into that fourth quarter. And this Bears team needs to find a way, as we've been talking about for two years, to break through in game on the line moments. They need to have someone be a game changer, someone be an impact playmaker, someone come up with the play. I mean, like I know you lived 2006 and you know how dire that game in Arizona was on a Monday night. And and all of a sudden, a bunch of guys decided we're going to make plays and we're going to put this thing in the right column. And the Bears have so few of those guys on their roster right now, so few of those guys contributing uh, that they have to identify more and they've got to turn them loose in a way where, where the results come. The one thing that I, I did not see addressed because there was a lot going on, I started to listen to Matt Eberflus and all of a sudden the Cubs changed the Chicago sports world forever. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if he fully addressed the, the question I, I posed with you on Monday morning on the Mullion Haas show as well. It's third and four and there's three minutes to go in the game. The Bears are trailing 24 to 17. The ball's at the eight yard line. They eventually punt on that series. But on the second down play, DJ Moore ran a deep pattern that was uh incomplete but he stayed out of the game for third and four so you have at that point in time very important play uh one of the more important ones in the game because you need to keep the chains moving there's three minutes left and dj moore on the sidelines your best offensive player not even an option tyler scott gets the ball or the intended receiver that to me is part coaching all awareness and it can't happen yeah, and uh, you know, it is something we will have to follow up with Luke Getzey about when we get a chance to talk to him uh, in the next day or two, because I do think that it's important to uh, just get some clarity on why, at a, at a pivotal moment of a game like that, even after running a deep route, your 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 number one threat isn't part of a a pivotal third down like that. Um, look, like there's a million things within a game that can swing it, you know, and, and that that's one small example of okay, are we making too much of that? I don't know. Uh, do they have an explanation for it? Probably, but let, let, let's at least get that explanation to, to, yeah. to have a better understanding of the operation. That's all I want to do is, you know, address it. Now, th- it can be dangerous to address these kind of things. I can remember it takes me back to, I think it was 2014 in, in Foxborough, and it was Brandon Marshall in a similar cir- circumstance. He came out of the game, and he checked <laughs> out of the game, and I asked him after the game, and that's when he went, uh, uh, that's whack, bro, and he went off on me. So, I mean, you different to- different circumstance. They were down by about 35 points at that point. As Definitely opposed different. To- <laughs> Context <laughs> is everything, but that's where my head goes. But you have to be very careful asking wide receivers about plays they aren't in the game for. I guess that is that is the overall uh, lesson. But it's, it's interesting, so I wondered that. The other thing I wondered as we kind of, you know, talk big picture about this week and what happened on Sunday in New Orleans, when Luke Getze talks, whether it's t- Tuesday or Wednesday, in the second half, I felt like in the first half, uh, you know, Bajan was really effective moving the pocket and on the move. And then he was making decisions, run pass, and he would tuck it. And then sometimes he's better throwing um, on, on the, uh, you know, when he's on the run. In the second half, I think that he was very stationary. And they almost made it. No, he was getting good protection. That's the good thing. But he was in the pocket. 
And it was almost like he was in the pocket and then he was thinking. And then that clock in his head that I referenced earlier wasn't working correctly. And he, he threw the Bears into peril. And I wonder why they stopped moving the pocket in the second half. Well, yeah, and I think do think they moved it in the third quarter some as well. I mean, you, look, I'm looking at the the first through third quarter summary here. He was 15 and 19 for 201 yards, two touchdowns, and a 123.9 rating through three quarters. And so you walk into the the, the fourth quarter of that football game, David, with 352 yards offense, 17 points, a missed field goal, and and, and opportunities to to have a, a really really good offensive day. And then in the pivotal moments of the fourth quarter, they just malfunctioned in every way, shape, or form. And and, and so like that's something that has to be uh, a collective responsibility to get that 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 short up and fixed um this team has to at some point figure out how to take these close games and win them you know and, and i don't know what it's going to take um look there's a lot that goes into that it's play calling it's it's playmaking it's it, it's execution it's uh you know design and and, and they've got to take a long hard look at that and figure out what those answers are hey everyone this is brett boone would you know it i've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year tune in as i sit down with my friends some of the biggest names in sports media entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations as you know baseball's been my life it's been in the family for a long time but it's a lot more than that here it's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time, baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I know you were taking a good, hard second look at the game. I wondered what you thought defensively, what might have stood out to me. You know, Montez Sweat had some good pressures. He didn't get a sack, but I think he did close the pocket. He didn't play as often as I thought he might, but I know that he was going to be limited. Uh, Jack Sanborn, all over the place. I thought he played a really solid game. TJ Edwards had 15 tackles. There were some flash plays in the secondary, but I can't really think of anybody that necessarily stood out to me um, as, as being either – outstanding or, or vulnerable. Eddie Jackson maybe wasn't as active as a, as a tackler as, as I thought that maybe he could be at times. Uh, defensively, what stood out to you? Well, look, I thought Kyler Gordon started the game and played really, really well out of the gates. I thought he made a few plays early, one in run support, another uh, covering Chris Olave on a fade and, and looked to be very active and, and that valuable piece that you want him to be. Now he gets uh, beat a little bit on the Olave touchdown, and that's just a, a, a tough cover there great at throw. that part of the field, a great throw and a good whip route that, that Chris Olave ran, and sometimes you just come out on the wrong end of those. But I thought he's had a, a really good stretch here since he came back off of injured reserve, and he shows you what his value in that secondary is. Sanborn was really good. Sweat, I think, ended up playing 41 snaps, David, out of 65, somewhere around that area. And, and I, I did think that he was active uh, on the, the, the second rewatch, seeing him come from behind the play from the backside to take down Taysom Hill after a 13-yard run. It was a example of that speed and that motor that he has that are going to have to be part of who he is for this defense going forward. You and I have talked now in multiple forums about what he needs to be for the Chicago Bears now. 
He has been rewarded financially as a superstar. He has to produce like a superstar. And that means making impact plays in every half of every game that you play for the rest of your time as a Chicago Bear. There's no way around that. And, and, and I will hold that standard firm and hard and, and make sure that he lives up to that because that is what you have been rewarded to be. Uh, I thought that Sunday was an encouraging step for a guy that had just gotten here and walked into Alice Hall for the first time on, on Wednesday afternoon. Um, but going forward, like you have to understand what they believe you to be. And Ryan Poles has, has labeled you as a multiplier. He has identified you as a guy who can be a major difference maker for a long time to come. Now comes the opportunity to show that. And again, it has to be every single week because that's what stars in this league do. And I hope Montez Sweat is up to that challenge. Do you think that Tremaine Edmonds is held or will be held to a similar standard or the expectations will be similar to what they are for Montez Sweat or Montez Sweat. Does he have higher expectations because he gave up a draft pick to get him? I mean, I do think that's part of it. I, yeah, I do think that that giving up the draft capital identifies you as a have to have guy, right? And, and have to have guys have to be what you think they are. Because we can go back to the 2017 draft a hundred times over and talk about the, the the errors made in the like this is the guy and and the only guy and there's no one else that we can live with, and, and by trading away that, that that high second round pick, you've identified that look we didn't want to take our chances in March with whatever we'd have to do somewhere else on the free agent shelf, whether it's you know going through the draft and using high capital there. We wanted this guy to be the foundation piece of our defense. Now you got to go there, but I will say that to, to your. Um, lead into that question that Tremaine Edmonds does need to be judged on that level. And I think through the first half of the season, obviously he was part of two takeaways, could have been two interceptions. One of them was uh, deemed a fumble recovery. Uh, he needs more of those splash plays. And we've talked about it since the day he signed that, that if you're going to invest in a guy to be that part of your defense, he's got to make splash plays. Tremaine Edmonds hasn't done it enough yet. And that's part of the reason this is a two and seven football team with a lot of, um, you know, impressive players that aren't doing enough to get the team wins before we get to the offensive side of the ball and ask some questions. I want to know, do you think that Jalen Johnson, when he talks and talks <laughs> and whatever he says next, um, do you think that the Montez sweat contract extension and the guaranteed money to him makes it more or less likely that Jalen Johnson will go back to the table and negotiate with the bears this season? Um, in what way would it would it make him? Well, I think okay, he'd have two reactions. And one is like, okay, look, that's a pretty fair deal. They have a lot of money to spend, and and they want to they, they want to keep players here. And Montez Sweat's going to be here. That's removing the doubt. I want to be here too because if he's there, I'm going to be better, and vice versa. And I like Chicago. Let's go talk. Or, boy, I can't believe he just got here. He's been here five minutes. So I already got a deal. Why did they show me that respect? Forget it. We're done. I mean, you could go either way if you're acting as um, emotionally as this contract negotiation seems to sometimes uh, have been treated. I mean, it's, it's, it's you're back and forth, and guys are being honest and candid. I wonder which direction he's leaning toward the most. So we got a chance to talk to Jalen in the locker room at the Superdome. And one of the things that he said, you know, he asked him directly. I said, look, like you said last week, that if Sweat got his extension before you got yours, you might be bothered by it. So what's your reaction? And he just kind of smiled and said, I'm happy for him. I'm happy. That, you know, he's a high quality guy and a good player. And I'm happy he got paid. And so as a fellow player, I think Jalen appreciates the reward that Montez Sweat got. And, and, and certainly beneath the surface feels a little bit, um, 
I don't want to say disrespected, but whatever one level lower than disrespected is, you know, like just feels a little bit agitated by that. I think he wants to see what the rest of the yeah. Slighted. Slighted is a good word. I think he wants to see what the rest of the league thinks of him. He said multiple times in the locker room Sunday, David, that he he's just focused on becoming an all pro dog. That's what he kept saying. And so so he, he truly believes that he can put forth enough of a performance this year to uh, climb his ladder you know, and, and, and establish himself as one of the best corners in the game. I don't think he's going to get to the all pro level particularly because two and seven football teams uh, and mediocre defenses rarely produce all pros uh, at that level. But I, I am very, 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 um, I admire the way Jalen approaches his craft. I, I admire the way he goes about his business. I admire his honesty. And now he's got, you know, two months of season and three months off season to figure out what's next. Right. And, and so it'll be really interesting to see what path this goes down. Um, I think probably at this point, his desire to hit the open market and see what the rest of the league thinks of him is one that is strong. And it's one that is totally justifiable given the way this has played out. All right. Let's talk about the bears offense, specifically the offensive line. Larry Bourne finished the game. Braxton Jones did not. My sense is that was just because of a conditioning thing and uh, the 70%, 30% split they talked about going in. Where's Nate Davis standing his return? Because I look at the right side of the offensive line and I see Tevin Jenkins, whose grades again were outstanding. And you saw some highlights where he was pancaking people and throwing people around. It was as it was obvious as he has been in a while. And I think he was very good. And Darnell Wright continues to impress at right tackle. So, Dan, I look at the right side and feel pretty good about it. You look at the left side and you wonder, and you wonder how Nate Davis will slide back in, if he slides back in at all when he comes back. Well, Braxton seemed to come through Sunday's game all right. He played 52 of the 68 snaps, which is a pretty good percentage for his first game back off of IR. Obviously, you have to see how his neck responds on a short week. Again, like this is a, a pain tolerance issue for a lot of guys trying to make this quick turnaround from Sunday to Thursday night and trying to get your body uh, back in playing condition so that you can be functional. Um, I, I think that their offensive line at times, you saw some of the pockets that Tyson Bagent was thrown out of, and you go, man, that's – that's sturdy and it's quiet and it allows a quarterback to uh, go through his reads. I remember one particular throw that I started is a, a, in relation to Bajent. Uh, it's a, a third read to, to Robert Tunyon over the middle, but the pocket allowed that to be a third read over the middle. And Tyson got through his reads quickly and he came back and he ripped the throw and he moved the chains and, and you go, man, this is what happens when a quarterback can trust what's happening in front of them. So you, you, you hope the bears are moving in the right direction uh, in regards to that. Now it's just a matter of getting as many guys as healthy as possible playing in continuity for a long period of time. That's going to be really interesting to see. I don't have any updates on Nate Davis uh, and where that high ankle sprain leaves him. Um, and then obviously Tevin has, has been, been really good since he's been back and the key all along, as you and I have said uh, at least a dozen times, is can you play six, seven, eight, nine, ten games in a row? Right now, he's playing pretty well. Cole Komet made that great catch in the end zone. He's been a favorite target of Tyson Bajans during his three-game stint. You wonder how that continues. He's having a pretty good run here lately. You look at Darnell Mooney, who had his best game of the season, very familiar territory. He went to college in New Orleans at Tulane. DJ Moore had kind of an uncharacteristically – uh, shaky game. I mean, he had the fumble, which was a great play by the defender. Yeah. And then he had a pass, as he told us on the Mullen Haw show, that Bajan put exactly one place, only where he could get it. And he didn't come down with it. So that was a difficult spot to be in. But when you look at the passing game, when you look at the return possibly of fields, um, now Robert Tunyon might be having to use in the backfield with blasting game out concussion protocol. 
But uh, anything stand out when you watch it a second time about uh, either the tight ends or the wide receivers? Well, you mentioned Cole, and as impressive as that first touchdown catch was, and I'm telling you, I told you on the air on Mully and Hall on Monday morning that that was a come halfway out of your seat in the press box type of catch because it looked like a sure interception, and then all of a sudden it's a Bears touchdown, and Cole's got his baseball bat out, and he's swinging for the fences and, and knocking one deep and doing the home run celebration. I thought the second touchdown catch was almost as impressive because of the way he held his block uh, on a play-action concept and then and then flung his defender to get free, and then Tyson laid that, that really nice nice play action uh, lobbed him in the end zone. And that's the type of play that you, you pay Cole Komet to make and he's making them on a regular basis. It's impressive there. I don't get as tied up in the worry about uh, DJ Moore's targets as I might. Otherwise, when you look at a first half where they put up 250 yards and if Cairo Santos hits that 40 yard field goal, they have 17 points. And so if you're talking about a 250 yard, 17 point half, you're going, okay, everything's humming here and the ball's being distributed and it's being, you know, it's being orchestrated well. And Foreman's got 10 carries and the, the quarterbacks rush six times and you've spread it around to Mooney and Komet and, and, and DJ Moore and Darrington Evans gets a check down. And so I'm fine with the, the flow of that offense, but I do think in big moments that your best receiver better be part of your plan. And we've documented parts of that. I would hope the target volume would go up a little bit, but the teams are, are, are scheming to make the Bears beat them in different ways. And if you can beat them in different ways, ultimately they're going to have to loosen those things up. There's going to be fewer opportunities for Cole Komet, fewer opportunities for Darnell Mooney, and more for DJ Moore. And so I'm okay with kind of the give and take of that cat and mouse game as the Bears go forward trying to find their their rhythm because they've been pretty good in terms of getting into to some rhythms here over the last uh, month and a half. I agree with that. I think that's well put, but, but I think what – gets you triggered a little bit is that when you see a play where DJ Moore is blocking for <laughs> Bayless Jones. I got no answers for that one. It should never be that case. So when when that happens, you're like, okay, how many targets is – oh, five targets? This is the best player on their offense. Why is there only five targets? So I get it, and teams will scheme differently, but that should never happen where you have your best receiver blocking for a guy who probably should be cut by now. And, and by the way, he almost he, he almost fumbled again, right? Like he he, he, he almost fumbled it was again. Called, it was called incomplete because he couldn't hold on to it long enough for it to be a completion. But he almost fumbled again, and it's like that one, I have no no excuse for, no defense for, like no designed place for Valus Jones going forward. And then he then, then he got a penalty later with a, with a face mask. So and, yeah. and the Flucy never had his back in the post game. He said you shouldn't do that as a professional football player. He's right. You shouldn't do that as a professional football player. So every week we seem to get the latest example and Bayless Jones becomes a convenient target and scapegoat because he keeps on doing things that lead to negative plays. But everything, there's always been a guy like who's easy to point to. Every regime seems to have one of those guys. Bayless Jones is certainly this for the Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus regime. There's no question about it. So let's have a quick conversation here because I'm in the great state of Texas. I'm going to uh, preface it by by telling you something I told you earlier Monday morning about the number of uh, below average or ordinary teams that had big moments on Sunday, including the Washington Commanders who traded away a bunch of players, including Montez Sweat and Chase Young, one on the road and one in New England. It includes the Vikings, who we, we mentioned had to turn to a quarterback who, who they were just basically uh, getting the, the W-9s filled out for to, to get to get him signed up to play for them. And he goes out and wins a game in Atlanta. And they've won four straight after coming to Soldier Field at one and four. Uh, you look at the Raiders who, who launched their general manager and their head coach and then go out on Sunday and they blow the doors off the Giants. And then there's those Houston Texans led by a quarterback from Ohio State, 
who threw for 470 yards and five touchdowns and led a dramatic come-from-behind win to beat the Buccaneers on Sunday. And C.J. Stroud suddenly is looking every bit like the future quarterback. And I couldn't help, David, but, but think to myself on Monday morning, like we sat there and laughed at the Houston Texans last January for blowing their chance at the number one pick. What a colossal disaster it was going to be for them that they didn't get the number one overall pick. What a, a, a treasure chest it was going to be for the Bears that they got that and they're able to do whatever they want with it. Well, one team's two and seven. The other one's four and four and seemingly has their quarterback for the next decade. So, so yeah. where do we go with that? Well, I this morning I was asking our audience, okay, so in light of C.J. Stroud setting a record for rookie quarterbacks in Houston, thank you, Lovey Smith, um, and being able to see Bryce Young in person on Thursday night for the Panthers, whose favorite receiver on Sunday was Kenny Moore, the Colts cornerback with two pick sixes. You can't do that, Bryce Young. So you got Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and we saw Will Levis start to come into his own in, in Nashville with the Titans um, down in Tennessee. And then you have Justin Fields. If you were to rank those four, what quarterback would you rather have moving forward if you were an NFL general manager? I think it's obvious that it's C.J. Stroud. Number two is a good debate, but I don't I'd know. probably go you, Justin. I would probably – would you go Justin Fields next? Right now, with what we've seen so far. Probably so. I, probably so. And then somewhere between – you know, I, Bryce Young and then Levis, I would think. I think that's probably the, the fairest assessment, but – I'm with you. C.J. Stroud is better than I thought he would be earlier than well, he, and, and, and he, he's so poised. That's the thing, and accurate. He's poised can and accurate. Can you imagine what things. Chicago would be like if they had a quarterback throw for 470, five touchdowns, and throw a game-winning touchdown pass in the final minute in a, in a come-from-behind win and how gaga they would go over that quarterback? And the reason I bring this up is because this harkens back to last offseason and Ryan Pohl saying very directly that he'd have to be blown away by someone in the quarterback class to uh, steer off of Justin Fields. And we agreed that it was probably right that Justin had, had earned his uh, opportunity to, to, to see it through and, and show year three development that, that pointed the Bears in one direction or another. But one of the things that always stifled me about the, the timing of the trade the Bears made, even though they said that their evaluation of the quarterback class was pretty much complete, when you make that trade in March, you cut short your process, right? You don't bring all these quarterbacks into your campus for visits. You don't go do all the private workouts for them. You don't attend their pro day because you're not in the market for a quarterback anymore. And given what we saw with, with not doing the uh, comprehensive process in 2017 with the quarterback class in a way that might have informed your judgment better was this a new regime making a similar mistake of of okay we're going to take our trade here and we're going to do this but at the same time we didn't necessarily do all the homework and research on the quarterback class that we we, we might have otherwise wanted to to fully you know just convince ourselves okay that cj stroud isn't going to blow us away you know, that right. Will Levis isn't going to blow us away. Right. And, and and they'll have to live with that. If, if C.J. Stroud goes on to, to make the playoffs in five of the next eight years and, and continues to throw for 400-plus yards and four touchdowns plus, uh, they're going to have some 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 regret, I think, about about not seeing that uh, research out a little more deeply. Yeah, I, that's, that's well put. I, I'm a little disappointed, I guess, in myself for not having pushed that idea more last offseason before the draft. I have to say – you know, I, I think I was duped by the idea that the Bears would go into the offseason and see what they did with Justin Fields and and tailor entire offense around that skill set and try to take the unorthodox path to the Super Bowl or the unorthodox path back to the playoffs. 
what they did was the opposite. They said, well, we know what we did in the six-game sample size, and we reconfigured our offense. We're going to go back, and we're going to try to make him into something we want him to be to fit our scheme. And I do think that there was more uh, square peg, round hole type of uh, process that, that we saw early in the season, which led to Justin Fields maybe complaining about being too methodical, robotic, and coaching, and all those things. Whereas I believe that the reason they were committing to Justin Fields and not these other guys like Stroud or Young or Levis or Anthony Richardson was because they believed that they were going to try to do it in a way that has, isn't typical, but the Ravens have tried it and maybe they could work here. It could work here in Chicago. I fell for that, but it wasn't really something that they were trying to do all along. So I, I, I was duped twice. Yeah, and this will be interesting because, again, on Thursday night, and we'll talk about this later in the week when we start to do our Panthers preview, you've got Bryce Young coming to town. Um, you've got a quarterback that a lot of people thought was really, really dynamic in terms of, of quarterback skills and quarterback awareness and quarterback field vision and quarterback feel. And the biggest knock on him all along is, is he big enough to play at this level? And that's been something that seems to have held him back a little bit in the early going. All right, so we have uh, to let you get to your terminal or let you get to your gate. If you're already uh, not there, uh, we'll, we'll just have to wrap things up. The one thing I also <laughs> want to mention before we do that, Dan, Peter King from NBC Sports had an interesting report, said the Bears, uh, one of their home games in 2024 could be played in Spain. So I think the next gate uh, we should do a podcast from be one that's the International Terminal 5 at O'Hare when you're on your way to uh, Barcelona for Bears and whoever in Spain. Why don't you join me? I think it'd be Madrid, right? Like, I think we'd be that would be great. Madrid. Yeah. Why don't you join me? And we'll, we'll take take the north on the road, and we'll we'll take the, uh, the, the that that small section of Europe for a week. I think if the Odyssey uh, budget could uh, could start saving now, maybe we could afford that next uh, next fall. But that would be interesting. I mean, look, it went so well in Can uh, for the Chiefs and the Dolphins in Germany and Frankfurt. Berlin wants in on it. It sounds like Brazil is going to get in on it. The NFL wants to have a global appeal. So, hey, look, I'm all for the global international appeal. Just don't do what the NBA did. No in-season tournaments, please. There you go. I got to go renew my TSA pre-check. I got to go make sure my passport's updated. Off to Spain we go in less than a year. <laughs> that sounds very good. All right, have a safe trip back. Anything else, Dan, before we wrap things up? No, short week. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how they, they kind of, again, progress through this week. And, and we'll uh, we'll do our own quick turnaround trying to get uh, some intel on the Panthers and figure out if the Bears can win their third game of the season with eight to play. And we'll drop this Tuesday morning. We'll drop another one Thursday morning with our predictions and the numbers game. And we'll keep you posted as developments continue with the Bears. And, hey, if the, if the Cubs uh, hire anybody else or if they sign Otani, we may have an emergency podcast just for our Take the North audience. Amen. a lot of fun. All right, for Dan Weeder and Adam Stadzinski, I'm David Hall. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us on 670 Scores YouTube page. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Great talk. See you out there.